I, I don't know that regulating social media, we'll probably get onto that later, yeah. but I don't know that that's having a centralised point. One size doesn't fit all. Yeah. Mm. But I think we can all take responsibility for not jumping on a bandwagon, realising that it does reach the person, even yeah. if we feel we're shouting into the void. Welcome to Girls With Goals, I'm Neve Marr. Today we are talking about social media, we're talking about being kind to others, we're talking about trolling, we're talking about the online world in general and what impact it has um, and how it can impact people's lives as well. Before we start, I do want to say that it's not right or fair to, to speculate on the causes behind why anybody would take their own life. I'm talking, of course, about the tragedy um, surrounding Caroline Flack's death. Um, at the end of the show, we will be giving out numbers in case anybody is affected by what we talk about today. But I'm delighted to introduce my guests. Dr. Kieran McMahon is with us. He has literally written a book about social media and the psychology behind it and holds up for camera. Delightful. And writer and actor Tara Flynn is with us as well. Thank Hello, you. Thanks for having me. I, I haven't written a book about it. I sort of have a little you bit. You definitely well, have. Rage In is a little bit about stuff that was happening at the time, but yeah. I never put it into a broader context. So this is very interesting chat. I'm delighted to no, be learning from here. It's so great to have you both on, on the show as well. I really wanted to get you both in to kind of discuss this from, from different sides, I suppose. And, and Tara, if I can come to you first, you've written about your own experiences in the past week. It's been kind of an awful week. It's been like really hard on a lot of people. And mm. um, there's been an outpouring of grief, understandably as well. But you wrote a very personal essay about your own experiences of social media. Yeah, it's funny because in Raging, it was stuff that was all happening at the time in yeah. the run up to the repeal referendum or after sharing videos like the one racist B&B where mm. I talked about abuse my husband had suffered for, uh, for his skin colour. And it was a, the trolls all piled on then. But I kind of knew they would and all of that. But uh, it was after repeal, like a couple of weeks after repeal, where even people who were supposedly not anti-choice, there wasn't a clear-cut reason. I got completely dogpiled. Yeah. Um, and I want to draw a distinction between... I've been a comedian for a, a long time. I've worked in comedy. I've had message boards for since 2002 saying how rubbish I am or, or how ugly I am. That's all sort of par for the course. This is different, yeah. and I want to draw that distinction. Criticism online or engagement about mistakes you make is different to organised, sustained harassment. Yeah, That's different, and that is when I left. I left after the repeal thing, after the book I'd written that included essays about being trolled. Um, this week, a lot of people have been in touch since I wrote that essay, Storm. Storm. Um, saying that they, well, no one's drawing a parallel, no, no one's drawing a direct line to themselves and, and the awful news from the UK this week, but someone who was definitely harassed very publicly and by the tabloids and social media and conventional media have a very strong symbiosis, I believe. Yeah. And uh, we can't really separate them anymore. Um, but a lot of people got in touch and said it had people who had been dogpiled or trolled in an organized, more organized or very sustained way they said it brought up a lot of stuff for them. Yeah. So it's just interesting that it has, although we have no idea what that poor woman went through. Of course. Um, there were probably criticisms that were due to her. I don't know. Mm. Um, but that isn't that doesn't forgive or uh, or uh, give people reason to dogpile, to, to, for everyone to just take personal pot shots, which it does eat away at people. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think it's so interesting the way you were saying that a lot of people got in touch and that you wanted to make the distinction between kind of sustained 
systemic attacks essentially and I suppose if we're looking at social media and the broader psyche of it I suppose Kieran from your point of view you know the book is called the psychology of social media one of the things you know as a person who works in the media that I've definitely seen is just the evolution of social media over the last 15 years you know when it started it was a happy place it was about connection it was literally about maintaining relationships with other people um, and that's all pretty much gone to shit now. I mean, it's there, but it's not necessarily the main focal point. But I mean, why did you decide to kind of go in on the psychology behind social media in the first place? Um, <clears throat> it's the thing I find about social media that um, isn't like it's we're talking about it in the context of media, like in terms of newspapers mm. and television and, and so on. but. Uh, that to me is kind of it's a little bit of a category mistake to even put it as in, in along that way because for me it's much more like uh, I call it a, a technology of the self or a self technology it's something that you're using to sort of manage your own psychology it's a mm -hmm. technology like that it's like a diary it's like I think in some ways going to a therapist or going to confession or something along those lines it's something that you're using personally because there's this sort of talk about it being you know, a kind of media sort of implies a broadcasting, but most people don't use it for that. Most people use it for connecting to their friends and for connecting to other people. And that's the kind of the idea that we were sold yeah. about maybe 15 years ago. Mm. And it was the whole idea that the internet would make things, the internet like came before it and the internet was, you know, it'd make everything more open, connected and all democratic and all of this sort of thing. And that I think sort of lasted probably up until about maybe 2012. Yeah. Um, now there was always sort of issues going on within it, but at the top level, the received view that we got was that this is what it's for. But actually, we're using it in very psychological ways. We're checking it first thing in the morning. Mm. I mean, you know, nobody's getting up, checking their phone and going, I'm going to do some broadcasting on my phone now. Very few people use that. I mean, you have like influencers and YouTubers and vloggers who may well do that, but for the most part, people are using it to, I think, Connecting with each other is one thing, but I think you're also using it in your profile to put across an image of yourself that you would like to be. Mm. And that's, that's, I think, is quite normal. I think our difference between who we'd like to be and who we actually are, it, there's always a little bit of a gap there, and that's the way people develop psychologically. So that's kind of, to my mind, like why I became interested in it was because I think the whole psychological aspect of social media hasn't really been been properly appreciated. An awful lot of the research is still dealing with it very much as a communications tool. And I think you kind of have to get out of that and think what is the individual doing on their own and what does it mean to them? And I think in terms of like one of the things that I find that's been missing from this conversation about not our conversation, but the wider conversation. Yeah. Ours is perfect. <laughs> Ours is great. We are finally solving it. everything. We're which nailing is it. Yeah. Um, is I think it's this idea of visibility. And if you're thinking about, say, for example, all of these, um, if you have like a celebrity or somebody with a high follower account on any of these social media platforms, and what I'm hearing about Caroline Flack is that she was the sort of person who would read all of the comments. Mm. Now, if you think about that, like that's, that's unusual. It's something that you wouldn't expect. Because I think somebody who's like, you know, 
Joe Soap in the middle of nowhere, no job and going nowhere, and he has his Twitter account, he's got like 12 followers. Uh, if he's tweeting at Caroline Flack, he mightn't even be using the handle, he mightn't even be using the hashtag, but he mentions that she possibly is searching for her name, which and is what people... potentially see it, yeah. yeah. He, like, he has, I don't think an un... Like, let's not say he's reasonable to be sending the abuse, but I don't think he's an unreasonable expectation that she's going to see that. Yeah. Because she's got like a million followers. And I think that's the thing that sort of negates the promise we were given about social media that everybody would be equal and equal be able, equally be equal able, equally able to connect. Yeah. You can edit that bit out. <laughs> uh, uh, but it hasn't turned out like that. Because yeah. people have massive followers and because the algorithm decides what it surfaces, uh, most of the time, people with low follower accounts believe themselves to be shouting into the void. Yeah. But actually, in a lot of cases, people such as Caroline Flack and others are going to actually go looking for the abuse that they're getting. And I think this is... This, this it reaches it, you anyway. It reaches, it reaches you anyway. And if you have a high enough follower account, it becomes news and then it's in the papers and your paper's calling yeah. you and you can shut your phone off, you can throw it in a bin, you can do what you yeah. want. It's unavoidable. Yeah. So it's not just about, you know, keeping an eye on it or someone atting you or it becomes news. Yeah. It yeah. becomes uh, something that comes into... So p p online is real life. And yeah, we have yeah, yeah, to yeah. acknowledge that now. Mm. Yeah. Online is real life. And it follows you no matter what you do, if you've got a high enough follower count. Yeah. And it becomes the news. And that stink that that creates stays with you. Yeah. And for me, it's affected work. It's done. It's, it has had very real life consequences. Yeah. Even when I chose to step back and not engage. Mm. And when I did step in and engage, it made me feel a little more empowered, honestly. Yeah. For but a split second until for a split more second. came. And then more comes. Yeah. And when the people attacked my family, I would always have a go back. And although yeah. that's not the guideline, it made me feel better You're, because yeah, to feel disappointed. Yeah. If someone's constantly, if someone, I always bring it into real world analogies. If someone's in the pub tapping your shoulder the whole time, they're not being violent towards you. But the 99th time they tap you, you're going yeah. to turn around and, yeah. and if yeah. you don't have a say or you're not allowed to at least go, stop. Yeah. Mm. Stop. You feel so powerless and that has an effect on your mental health. Tara, before um, you got involved in repeal and before, you know, you became somebody who was being trolled, what was your relationship like with social media? I loved it. Really? And Twitter in particular. It, it's because for me it was sort of publishing. I have a life that is, I, I'm in show business. So yeah. it was about advertising gigs or putting little jokes out there. It'd be great if someone like BuzzFeed picked it up or yeah. Huffington Post. It was it was a fun way it to was a happy place spread for you. reach. Yeah. Oh, we just had so much fun trading jokes. And in 2010, so I, I joined Twitter in 2009. I was on Facebook before that. People used to, <laughs> do, you, do you remember, lads? People used to go, sorry for butting into this thread. I just noticed that you were. We, we still had boundaries, yeah. that real life boundaries. And I feel like, and that's one of the points of Storm, the essay that I wrote. I, I don't know that regulating social media, we'll probably get onto that later, yeah. but I don't know that that's having a centralized point. One size doesn't fit all. Yeah. Mm. But I think we can all take responsibility for not jumping on a bandwagon, realising that it does reach the person, even yeah. if we feel we're shouting into the void. Uh, because even if they, they don't see it, it becomes news if a million people are, are shouting about it. Yeah. Um, so we need to remember that we did have those boundaries in the beginning and they weren't imposed on us. It's, yeah. And something has happened by the collective permission to keep going, mm. that people now just say whatever they want to whoever they want. And 
The person at the other end is a commodity, if not a paid-for one. The person at the other end is another piece of entertainment in your day. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's interesting because, yeah. you know, we're talking about the way the barriers have come down now and the way in which people are interacting with each other online. But uh, Russell Brand wrote about Caroline Flack this past week as well, a really interesting essay that's available on his website if you want to read it. Um, and he, he brought up Jade Goody and he brought mm. up Amy Winehouse. Now, Amy Winehouse, not so much, but Jade Goody was in the era before Instagram and before Twitter. And actually, I was listening to another podcast, uh, The Rewatchables, which is a movie podcast randomly. And uh, they talk about movies that you rewatch. And they were talking about My Best Friend's Wedding, an amazing movie. But they started going in on Julia Roberts around the 90s. And basically back then, she was dating every single man that she was in movies with, and she was all over People magazine and stuff like that. So it was a different form. It wasn't online, because it was the 90s, but there was still that innate sense of people wanting to know as much information as possible about other people and having opinions about them. So, I mean, obviously things have gone digital now, but as people, we've been trolling just potentially more in person. Yeah. Those opinions weren't public. They weren't public, and that's a, that's a fair point. So, yeah. I mean, not perhaps, because like what Jade Goody went through in the papers was, was horrific as well. Yeah. And in the comedy world, everyone yeah. had a pop at Jade, and I'm so ashamed of things I wrote 10 years ago or more. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've learned so much now, mm. and social media has helped me to learn. Yeah. But it was, uh, every comedian did jokes about people. But, but the thing is, is that it was, it was different because, you know, it wasn't on a th Twitter thread, so... They were, in, yeah. in some ways, slightly guarded yeah. from it. Would you agree, or? I think there's, uh, there's another thing that I've been kind of trying to get through as well this week that um, is, is this idea, like the, there's, there's a concept I talk about, it's a well-known concept in the book about context collapse. So when you're, if you're at work, you have your work friends, you have your family, you have your, you know, your college friends or you have your neighbours and so on. And most of those groups tend to be quite distinct. If you don't have the internet, you can, you might bump into your boss when you're out in a nightclub and it's awkward, but it rarely happens. But if you're on Facebook and your boss is on Facebook, they can find you pretty easily. Mm. <laughs> and Far too easily, some yeah. would say. <laughs> <laughs> and so the internet and particularly social media allows these contexts to collapse an awful lot easier. And it's something as well, I think, for women in the media that, uh, more so than men, is that if you have a high Twitter follower account or so on, it's like, how do you say something to your audience that isn't going to annoy somebody? Because everybody's there. It's not possible. It's not possible. You'll annoy somebody. You'll annoy somebody, but what, one of the things that researchers found is that people will go for a lowest common denominator, something that's not controversial and that everybody can get, can get mm. along with. Or do you like withdraw, do you self-censor, or people sometimes share more personal content? So then that sort of opens you up to more risk because you're sharing more intimate details of your personal life, but it makes you seem more human, and then people are less likely to go after you. Or more. Or more after. <laughs> so it's a double-edged sword. Yeah. But that's your context collapse. The other thing that happens that's kind of starting to be uncovered, and I think it's particularly for people who have been online for quite a long time, is what we call time collapse. So it's not your social context collapsing onto each other, it's your own past collapsing onto the present. And it's when somebody, and the other example this week was um, Rada Cronin, her tweets from 2012, which are highly anti-Semitic, and now she's saying, I wasn't in Sinn Féin then, I wasn't elected then. 
but it's something she would have said a long time ago that she now can't get away from. Mm. Now, the thing is, if you didn't have Twitter, she could have been saying all that stuff 10 years ago and it wouldn't make any difference because there'd be no record of it. Yeah. It wouldn't be able to be surfaced now. And that's the problem, I think, with social media is that it leaves that record there, that archive of your life that can simply fall onto you now. Mm. So you can be saying, well, why would I tweet this now? Did I say something like that a few years ago? Am I going to be found out as a hypocrite? And the thing is, ultimately, we're all hypocrites. We all change yeah. our mind. It's psychological growth. But if you change your mind and show with action that you have, that's yeah. a different thing, though. Yeah. Uh, if it's something you're now just trying to double down on and cover up, yeah. then you've been discovered. And I think that's where I, I think taking ownership of our mistakes is, I think personal ac accountability is a big part of this discussion. Yeah. Uh, I really do. Both how we uh, how we tweet about other people or, or use social media regarding other people who are mm. human beings, but also it gives us a voice. And if you are someone, say, someone with a disability, who has had disability cuts rained down upon them, and they want to tweet about that to the politician who's made the decision, mm. that's not trolling. Yeah. yeah. What becomes trolling then is every Joe Soap in the world, like we're talking about, who has the opinion from People magazine, yeah. now raining it down. Mm. Now, I think that that politician needs to be accountable for a decision they've made that's had an impact, a real-life impact. They need to be accountable. Mm. That's not trolling per se. The bandwagon jumping is very annoying and it is destructive. So it's the cancel culture and it's something that, like, I, I don't want to get into the details of what's going on at the moment, but something like that is happening in the media, like, literally today about that. Um, it's to do with something that was said online and somebody else is coming back. But basically, somebody said something that upset a lot of people. And then a lot of people, because of that, have now decided that these people need to be cancelled. And actually, I see it from both sides because I think it's as bad as each other. So, like, the person who potentially could have said something that was very offensive, but now the, the hundreds or however many people are saying, you're cancelled, you're cancelled, you're cancelled, it's a double-edged sword because... I actually think that that's a form of bullying too. So, I mean, yeah. how can you, like, Jumping the on the bandwagon when you're not directly involved. I mean, and that's yeah. the, the sort of the end of the storm essay is like, our, our two cents are, are basically irrelevant unless we're directly involved. Yeah. So I say support the person being, either rally around the person or amplify their views if you, yeah. if you think that it's something that needs to be heard, particularly when someone is speaking truth to power. They're living the thing. Um, but I think, well, first of all, there is no such thing as cancel culture. The powerful remain in power. Um, they true. do, especially yeah. the richer ones. Mm. Uh, but even social capital helps you to stay in power. They could be a blip, but then there's they'll... a blip, and mm. then it all goes away, yeah. and then they go, "My my trolling, my trolling horror." Yeah. When they actually haven't been trolled, they've been held to account. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's a very different thing. And I think, and I know, I know loads of people, particularly in comedy, loads of people are going, "I made really off color, or bad, or mean, or misogynistic jokes." Internalized misogyny is real. Mm. Ten years ago, fifteen years ago. I'm so ashamed of them now. I've learned an awful lot. I've been listening. I've made some changes. Then it all goes away. Yeah. It's when people double down and try to get away with bullshit. Yeah. Mm. That's when people go, no, we're not going to let you away with it. And then you get the gleeful hangers on. Yeah. So then it goes around and then you've got a, then you've got a swarm suddenly. And what do you think, Tara? Um, what do you think about the argument that if you put yourself out there in that position, to be a, a, like whether it's an actor or writer, anybody in the entertainment business who has some kind of platform or a following, 
What do you think of the argument that if you put yourself out there and share that much of your life, that you deserve the ridicule? I think that uh, that's something I might have said myself 10 years ago about celebrities, but first of all, they weren't being, we didn't have access to them in the same way. Yeah. Mm. There were boundaries. And even, even on, on Instagram now, where I still am or whatever, I have boundaries. I'll share certain things so that it's sort of like, okay, the reason I want to talk about this is because this happened to me, for instance. Or I'll say, I'm just talking about my cat today. Those are my boundaries. I've become a lot clearer about them myself. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of days I mostly am talking about my cat. So <laughs> get in there for the fluff content. Um, <laughs> fluff content is your thing, follow me. <laughs> but it is... That's um, in the storm essay as well. At the top, it's like, if you like pictures of cats, come follow me <laughs> yeah, on Instagram. Me. If you don't, yeah. you're not, but I'm not going to engage in that way ever mm. again because I've realised that I. it's up to me to create those boundaries. Um, when it was repeal and there was a campaign and we were fighting for rights, I had to sort of suck a lot of it up and say, I have to let people in. I have to let people in, in two, on two levels. I have to tell this story, mm. which is true, and it happened and people, people need to know they're not alone. It, did, it happens. And on another level, it's like, I have to take some of the trolling on the chin. But now I look back and go, actually, I wish that I'd had more allies in society to go, what I'm now fighting for I suppose I'm fighting for it now, um, that we don't, we, we, why is that the way? Why is that the trade-off? That when, when someone goes on TV, does their job, brings their skill, their talent, their, their body, their voice, they share that with us and then they finish work and we're not entitled to the rest. We're actually not. And yeah. people will always have morbid curiosity. But I, I read about a hair salon this week that has decided not to stock celebrity magazines anymore. Mm. And I think... That's a choice they can make. No one's banning celebrity magazines. And I'm not asking for a ban on celebrity mm. magazines. Yeah. I'm not going to buy them anymore. So it's a personal responsibility. I feel like that's all we have right now because mm. asking for bans, seeing politicians this week asking for, let's regulate social media, I'm going, no, because then you're just going to, every time someone says, you made those cuts, they're going to go, oh, trolls. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's terrible too. Because policing Policing's that not good. Is, is something. And Kieran, I want to quote one of your tweets that you tweeted out this week because I thought it uh -oh. was really interesting. It's, it's, <laughs> it's okay. Um, it's going to haunt you. <laughs> yeah, this, here we go. What you were talking about, it's not 2012, this was earlier this week. Um, people hoping things will change in the wake of Caroline Flack with the hashtag be kind uh, hashtag etc. I've been online too long to be that optimistic. I remember that nothing changed after the death of Shane McEntee. More than good mm. wishes are needed to fix structural mental health issues. And I mean I found that tweet uh, just really impactful because I think it kind of surmised the way I was feeling mm. and, and just a little bit of like it's great, and we actually did a piece on her this week about being kind and just trying to kind of take those moments to be kind to other people because we were in a position where we were thinking like, you know, what can we do that's even minimal or just checking mm. on your friends and, and these kind of things. That's, that's the reaction that I was getting after the news of Caroline Flack mm. broke. A lot of my WhatsApp groups were like, is everybody okay? Like, we don't ask enough and this kind of thing. So I think it's a nice thing to be kind, and I, I stand by that. But at the same time, in terms of inherent structural changes, yes. it's we're all being a little too optimistic by thinking that this is going to go away. Yeah, no, and it's, it, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's the problem I have is that, because I'm trying to see the, you know, the actual structures of what we're dealing with in society, because my background is actually in, in psycho history of psychology, mm. so I've gone back to 
the ancient Greeks, I can see the printing presses, scrolls, the whole lot. How does this actually fit they had, in? They had dial-up, so it was like, <laughs> very strange. <laughs> 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 but um, it, it's, and you see this, like the be kind thing, mm. and then the other is, what is it? Um, think before you click, and there's all of these sort of things about, uh, you know, just be kind and be nice. And I think, well, mm -hmm. that's, People, the problem is, is that people aren't thinking before they hit send. And I think asking somebody to just think every time you send a tweet, just just think before. But do you not think, I agree in some circumstances, but do you not think that the people who are writing the ridiculously like hate filled are usually the trolling accounts that have a picture of a pizza as their profile picture, who are like, at Looney Tunes Poo. I'm hopeful that that's nobody's name. I just made that up. But mm. like, you know, I think saying be kind to the people who are themselves and who are being themselves online is a, is a nice thing to try and make some kind of switch because I, mean, I don't, it's, think, it's, it's I don't lovely, think we can reach those trolls, maybe there needs to be some kind of legislation well, or, or something that might reach them because you know, yeah. I don't know I, I, I think our sort of best intentions kind of stuff, I think you sort of have to do it, but if absolutely no faith that it's going to make the blindest bit of difference yeah. because it's not it's it's not going to reach the people who are <laughs> mm. running a hundred accounts and who are... And thrive on know, clicks. Yeah, thrive on clicks want. who yeah. are, you know, coming, like they're collaborating on 4chan and 8chan or everywhere else and then they're invading Twitter. The problem is, I mean, the, the tweet I thought you were going to go for was when... Uh, <gasps> Frank Fian, uh, Deputy Frank Fian now re-elected in, I think, Sligo or somewhere. He was on drive time and he was saying that, oh, we have to do something about the social media bullying. And uh, to be fair, I think he shipped a huge amount of abuse over, I think it was the hospital in Roscommon that got closed and he lost his seat and he came back. Yeah. And I was like, but hang on a minute. You're elected as part of Fine Gael. Fine Gael have been in government since 2011. They didn't do anything after Shane McEntee uh, took his own life, which was apparently due, due to the amount of abuse that he got on Facebook as well. There was, like, there's been nothing really substantial has changed yeah. for all the time while Frank Fian's party has been in power. And that so, was Shane McEntee, that was 2012, was it? Or yeah, 2012, yeah. So I, I think we can have these sort of best intentions, but what exactly are we going to do about it? Because you need something more substantial than a hashtag yeah. to change this. I, Sorry, if I could just jump sure. in, I'm yeah. so sorry, but uh, just while you're on that thought, nice and kind also can be weaponized. Yeah. Yes. It's very, I, I don't think nice is a useful word. Right. I really don't, because nice can be used to tone police, people who are mm -hmm. genuinely fighting yeah. for justice mm -hmm. or yeah. their rights. Yeah. Um, and people get angry when they feel left behind or uh, or they've had a benefit cut or they're seeing someone struggling or they're struggling themselves. People, anger is justifiable very often. Yes. Anger is a really yes. useful emotion yeah. um, and we need to express it. And if we don't feel heard and politicians are great at not hearing, people get angry. That's justifiable. That's not trolling. Yeah. And yeah. I think nice and I love Mona El Tahawi. I don't know if you follow her, but she's fabulous and she uses expletives all the time. Um, and she says, you know, because respectability politics can be very, um, they can defang you, they can defang your argument and they yeah. give you, they give you, they deprive you of a very useful tool. And politicians asking us to be nice, is, is, it's a different arena. Mm. I think we can all choose to be as respectful as we can, but we need to be robust as well. And sometimes we get angry. Yeah. That's okay. And we get angry publicly. That's okay. That's what 
cause mm. protest movement to generate. Mm. But I think nice and kind, I think they're a useful watchword this week. I think it's a very good symbolic hashtag. Yeah. Yeah. As a broad overview, let's think about that. Let's think about a person. Let's rehumanize and think about a person on the other end of all that we're doing. Yeah. Even if they're famous, even if they've got lots of privileges, there's a person there. Um, but let's let's keep an eye on what nice and kind are used to mean. Mm. So sorry to, to yeah. interrupt. No, 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 I think you're completely it's right. It's a really valid point. Um, when you wrote Storm, the essay, uh, let's just quote you too. Sure, I'm quoting everybody. Um, <laughs> I'm delighted I made any sense. <laughs> <laughs> so what it's like being at the centre of a storm, these are Tara's words now, it's like this, like when a wave rushes in and knocks you down, sucks you in, deprives you of your breath, tumbles you till you don't know which is earth or sky, then spits you out again. I mean, that's so powerful. Like, it, it really is. I, I wanted to ask you, when you were writing this, because of what you went through online, were you wary of almost coming back into it? Even yeah. though you weren't rejoining Twitter, but were you yeah. wary of all of that? I think that might even be published soon. I'm not sure, um, but uh, in a more conventional uh, space, because yeah. that's just on my website. But for now, um, I'm happy for it too, because we need to talk about this and we need to talk about what it actually feels like. And I was in a weird space because I was becoming well-known through campaigning. Mm. But I hadn't done telly in a couple of years because the campaigning meant that work went away. Yeah. The trolling then meant more work went away because this is what I was known for. Yeah. It was a bit of, oh, she's the one who has all the abuse. She's yeah. the one who sometimes swears back. And it's like, uh, it, it, it was, I had to shut it down. I had to shut down um, the, the more accessible social media. The great thing with Instagram is if I want to put up a post that is just a statement, mm. use it like a little notice board, old fashioned, put the pins in, just leave it there. I don't want to talk about it, yeah. but here's my feelings. You can turn off comments. Yeah. So there's not a back and forth. Part of, part of what makes social media difficult is if you're not even talking about outright abuse or trolling, the constant tug at you for a response. Mm. When sometimes you are just broadcasting. Mm. Sometimes, especially yeah. when you are doing something like a campaign or you've got something to promote. Yeah. You're going, ta-da, you don't have all day to spend or the 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 uh, emotional resources to spend going back and forth with people or educate them mm. or if they don't know about something. Sometimes you're happy to and you do have that headspace. But it's that ownership. I think when you're in someone's phone, we're back to dehumanizing again, mm. you're a thing. You're that commodity I talked about earlier. Yeah. You're a plaything. You're the mm. same as a game. Mm. Ping, ping. Yeah. You're a game and there is a person at the other end. Sometimes they're more cosseted. But I was definitely in that space where I was sort of known, but like I wasn't being sent sponsorship deals or invites to things. So I was having all those downsides and those punches, but I wasn't having um, sort of <laughs> the glamorous What a strange label to be, <laughs> to be put on you, like to be kind of almost becoming known as somebody who's who is getting abuse online. Now let's you know? also look at that. Aside terms... from obviously the repeal, because the people like me, for example, I knew you for the work that you were doing, but I also knew the abuse that you were getting. So it was it was hard to watch. Like here's an important thing, though: there are people being trolled in that way right now. People who are trans, people of color, people mm. within our own country, and in Ireland it's slightly different because you might know the people who are trolling you. Yes. They might pass you in the street. If it's in the US or it's a bigger, broader context, mm. it's less likely. Here there becomes, there's an immediacy to it. There's, it's a Am small I pond. Is that person on this same bus? Yeah. You don't know. Yeah. It becomes, the danger is slightly more present. Mm. Um, or, or your paranoia, which, because you're being pinged all day and, and pecked at, mm. 
you certainly allow yourself to believe that. Yeah. Um, it is a possibility, so it becomes a probability in your in your when your 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 mental health is not great. Yeah. Um, but people, I know people who are trans, people of color who are being trolled in that way, uh, uh, traveler people mm. who are um, they're being trolled in that way right now. So. I had a bit of notoriety. I had the papers already had my phone number. Mm. So it suddenly became news, which in one way, I, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. It's It definitely heightens everything, makes it more public, makes you feel more of um, more torn apart. But we're not putting focus on the people who are being trolled right now. And I think that's something we can all be yeah. aware of and at least lend support or amplify their message. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a key point to, to remember that because you made the decision to kind of leave that space behind, Twitter being the place where the, the trolling was happening, um, and you've decided to be on a, a, a platform which suits your life better, it doesn't mean that it's not happening now. Yeah. Because a massive campaign like Repeal is over, like you said. Um, there's lots of people who are facing it. Um, Kieran, I suppose, you know, kind of going back a little bit to that tweet that I quoted with you, <laughs> what do you think is going to happen. I mean, like, if I, what terrifies me sometimes is when I look 20 years down the line and I think about where we've come in 15, 20 years, where we're going to go in 20 years. First off, I think about the music, because I'm like, mm. in 20 years, is the music that's now going to be the music that my kids are slagging me about? Because that's just a very sad, <laughs> sad thing. So sorry, it does happen. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a terrifying thing. Um, but I suppose, like, in the UK, you know, they're, they're, an actress started uh, the, the Caroline's Law kind of initiative. There's a, there's a lot of signatures to do that. I mean, what do you think is going to happen when it comes to social media in the future? Uh, I think governments um, are going to struggle with this f for a while yet. Um, I was at an event um, in the, uh, what was it? It was the British Ambassador's residence. Very fancy. You're uh, so fancy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I hope she won't mind me quoting her, but I was talking to Una Mullally about this, and she just sort of said, like at the end of the conversation, we were talking about this sort of stuff, and it was yeah. like the event was about, um, it was basically about the abuse that women in media get on social media. Mm -hmm. And it was hor horrific, because so, there was um, Alison Morris. Uh, she, was, she wasn't talking about her case, but she was kind of like, it's sort of making sense now what she was talking about then. But Una Mullally said, um, just at the end of the conversation, she goes, well, you know, it's basically a smaller entity trying to regulate a much larger, more powerful end one. Mm. And I was like, wow, you've just summed it up there. Mm. Mm. So I think, I mean, you have issues here with the Irish Data Protection Commissioner has, I don't know how many investigations open on Facebook. Yeah, That's data protection, not coming to this. Mm. We have the Digital Safety Commissioner uh, that law, which like started life in 2014 in the Law Reform uh, Commission's report, there was a private member's bill and it went up and down and in and out and the government was in favour of it and they changed their mind and they were in favour of it. And then it feels like it comes back whenever there's like an internet safety day and, and stuff like that, but then yeah. it kind of just goes away again. It goes away again. Yeah. Because I think governments will, and it's 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 essentially the same thing in America as well. Governments and, and in the UK, governments think that they can use this thing to get reelected. So mm. if they clamp down on it too much, it's not going to help them. And also, they have to be seen to be doing something about keeping children safe online. But once they actually start to examine it, 
then they find, whoa, this is incredibly complicated and we don't know what we're doing, so we'll kick it to touch, it'll go into committee and it'll take a few more years and somebody else will have to deal with it. Mm. So I, I think that what will actually happen is a number of things. I don't see great things in the future for Facebook because I think that Mark Zuckerberg has centralised far too much control around himself. Um, he owns far too many of the shares. There's not enough vision at a senior level there to actually make the necessary changes. It's still making huge amounts of money, but no longer in Europe or in North America. And I think the European regulators are going to go after us like in a big way under the next, um, under Ursula von der Leyen. Um, but I, I think you're still going to have, I, I'm just kind of surprised at this stage we haven't seen, um, and it's a point I mentioned in the book, is that basically every social media platform, even though they have different kind of moods, they all have the same features. There is no real difference between them in terms of what you can do. Mm. The last innovation was Snapchat in 2012. TikTok is doing something that Vine did a few years ago. Mm. It's like it's big and it's new, but there's no real new platform there. Yeah. There's no real difference. So everything's quite samey, which kind of leads to a sort of stasis. Um, I've said before that I think Facebook will be dead, like properly dead within 10 years. Mm. And that's because I think there's just too much of it going on. I think like, for example, WhatsApp, which Facebook owns, it's huge. It's got billions of people on it, but I've no idea how it makes money. It doesn't charge anymore. Mm. So that is the sort of thing that's going to come in, con in conflict with regulators because what are they doing with all of this information? If they're using it on Facebook, they said they weren't going to do that. Yeah, that's so scary. It's really scary. Mm. And as well, you, there was a really interesting development there about a week ago when the GA banned the use of WhatsApp. And I was like, this is really strange. And the GAA think that it's going to be safer for them in the long term to develop their own app for communicating between clubs, players and management than to use WhatsApp for this. So there's so much of a risk. And whatever you think that's a great idea? I'm not entirely sure what, what it is, but mm -hmm. I think if WhatsApp starts to turn off big corporate clients like the GAA, then it's going to like, it'll lose people left, right and centre. Yeah. So there, I mean, one part of me thinks this, all of this is just like to go back to your question. Sorry, I'm going round and round and round here. No, it's interesting. There's so much to talk about. Yeah, there's yeah. so much to talk about, yeah. In one sense, part of me thinks that this is all just going to continue the way it is right. and it'll get worse and there'll be outrage. And But in another sense, I think that something is going to change here and I'm not entirely sure what, but I do think that within the next 10, ten years, things will change quite drastically. Mm. Um, I suspect you will see younger people um, simply taking themselves off it entirely yeah. uh, and doing possibly like what you've doing going because up until now I think everybody sort of feels obliged to be in all of them you don't count as a person unless you're on social media uh, it's tricky it's if you're crazy. in the yeah. guy it's tricky not yeah. to be on certain yeah. platforms but yeah. I think people will simply say I'm on this one this is where I am and that will start to lead to problems for the sort of social graph on different things because if you are simply there and like having a holder Facebook account, like just I just have to be here for you know signing things. It's not. It's no longer going to be relevant or useful for the advertisers. So once advertisers start to move away from a platform, that's when the bubble could crash. Yeah. But I, I, I'm not entirely sure. Tara, what do you think? I mean, it's it's interesting what you said. My brother isn't on any um, social media whatsoever, and he lives a 
a beautiful life in Cyprus. And we always know where he is and we know <laughs> that he's safe. We don't know exactly what he's wearing or eating for breakfast, but he chugs along, you know, and sometimes it's freeing because he's not documenting everything. He's just absolutely doing it, you know. I, I love the potential of social media. I love the connection aspect. Yeah. I think it adds a lot of people power and I think that's our only hope for anything, mm. be it elections, be it uh, referendum or, or social justice campaigns, be it just connection between people. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've been burned and I'm cynical, but I think what I've boiled it down to is I don't trust organisations. Mm. I don't trust big systems that, tend, that hope to gain either financially or power-wise. So that includes uh, governments with regard to this sort of thing and regulation. I do trust people and I think people are experiencing, nothing changes till people feel something yeah. and people are feeling something right now and it might pass, but people are feeling something right now. So people are taking actions and they might seem small like my, my hair salon isn't having magazines. Yeah. That's a choice somebody made this week. And that's not, not, um, not uh, sort of more tabloidy ones. That there are choices we can make. And I think to remember that, as with the campaigns we've seen here recently uh, in, in Ireland, people power does work and collective action does work. That starts at an individual level. So I can't control what big social media platforms do. Um, and I actually am losing interest in trying to contribute to regulating them or controlling them. Yeah. Let people do what they need to do. I can control myself, but if enough people contribute at that level and contribute as positive, positively as they can at their own individual level, that will make change. That's not an optimistic sort of a glib statement either. I think it's our only hope. It is actually. It's, it has to be people. It has to be people. It has to be mm. people. And, we, and I do have great faith that we won't be told. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. we won't be told, we can take an action that they didn't expect. Yeah. And some of us can just go, I'm not going to join in that. I think keeping in mind that you can amplify when someone's, amplify some, check in with the person who's being trolled maybe, or this is something we can do today. Mm. Check in with them, maybe privately, direct message or just message just at them. Just keep it nice and calm and sort of, uh, how are you doing? Are you okay? You don't need to just get on to the person who's trolling them and go and amplify them and give them the clicks and don't let it escalate. Don't let that yeah. wildfire burn. Just go, uh, how are you doing? Amplify their message. Mm. Don't amplify the trolling. That, that, that we can do right now. And then we're not playing the game. We're not giving them clicks either that yeah. they thrive on. I mean, I feel like, and I, I'm going to have to let you go soon because I could, I feel like we could talk about this all day long. Um, it's interesting because in our generation, in our world, social media is still relatively young. You know, when we looked 15 years ago, it wasn't there. Now, if we look at the younger generations, they have three or four other platforms like TikTok and Snapchat and, and a lot of different ones. And I'm sure that there's new ones that I don't even know about as well. Um, do you think potentially, as opposed to us trying to put the responsibility on people who are kind of fucking it up and have been for a while, that maybe we do need to think about what we're teaching younger people on, on how to use things? I mean, it's it sounds so... It sounds hilarious because... Uh, they call us boomers, like, anyway. So they think that we're ridiculous as older people on social media. But I do feel like if we're not going to get it right, we have to depend on the younger generation to maybe try. You I know? depend on them for everything good. Uh, honestly, yeah. I think <laughs> we've met so much up. That this is it. It's, it's too much pressure. Um, last week uh, was Safer Internet Day, and I was at two events which kind of sort of 
put things in perspective for me. One was um, a press conference from Bernardo spun out CyberSafe Ireland and the ISPCC, and they were jointly coming together to, uh, because the digital safety or the uh, online safety commissioner law or the bill that had been drafted before the election has now fallen into abeyance and it's up to the next government to decide whether or not they want to pick it up. Yeah. And so the charities come together to say, we want this progress. And what I think there's issues around that, the, the online safety commissioner idea, I think it's a good idea that they keep pressure on this and it's, you know, something comes out of it. Um, but of course, there's absolutely no guarantee that it will. Mm. Um, but that to me said, here's charities who are pushing this. And that's, you know, there's a voluntary sector, they're non-for-profit, -for mm. they're doing this, for the betterment of all of us. So that kind of put, made me think, ooh, this is a good thing, but it's also like, there's no guarantee this is going to happen. Yeah. They're going to have to keep pushing, putting effort on it. Then down the road, there was um, an event for the launch of WebWise, which is part of the Department of Education and their resources for um, post-primary education. There's huge credit out of it and the resources, tons of work gone into it and well done to everybody involved. And however, here comes the however. Yeah. Um, it was, I, I've been going to those events for a while and this one now was held in, in Twitter headquarters. And so, I mean, I know a lot of people who work on Twitter, they're all doing, you know, their best for internet safety, but it's, it's, I tweeted at the time, nobody picked it up. And I was like, it's a very Irish thing that if you go into somebody's house and the mammy throws the party and she makes the sandwiches and makes the tea, you can't criticise the sandwiches or the tea because you're in somebody else's house. Fair. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So there was no criticism of Twitter. There was a panel event really like, I was like, wow, this is big hitters here. A panel event, everybody spoke once, no discussion, and I was finished. And really? I was like, okay, I think one of the problems here with internet safety, if I could just pipe up, is how easy it is to make an account on Twitter and harass people. Yeah. <sighs> that didn't come up. Of course it doesn't come up because you're in the Twitter house. Because you're in the Twitter house. And I think that if something is going to change, I don't know what the next government is going to be, we're going to have to somehow disentangle um, how online safety is, is put together mm. and how close that is to the actual multinationals. Because one is public service good, it's going to be paid for by the taxpayer and it's going to be going into every secondary school mm. and the other is a profit-making company. And the thing is, they've got their job to do doing safety stuff on Twitter costs them money. So it's not, it doesn't make them any profit, fine. But they need to do more of it. And it also needs to be done in a way that there are at least, uh, what do they call them? Uh, like there has to be some uh, clear blue water between the two. Yeah. And I don't know how that's gonna happen. But the only way I think it happens is with people putting people pressure on the government to do this in a different way. Yeah, because it's terrifying when you say all of that because everything that you said is accurate. And again, when you're talking about the multinationals and the big business and all of the money, it's further and further away from the emotional turmoil that you discussed earlier, Tara. So like this yeah. is kind of in what is essentially the issue. There's money involved and, mm. and clicks generate money and it doesn't matter whether they're positive or negative or that there's a person at the other end of them. Yeah. That's the tweet. <laughs> That's the tweet. That right there <laughs> is the tweet. That's the tweet, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. so I just think personal responsibility, if we all look after our own houses, yeah. it will have an effect. There will be, th that will create pressure. Definitely. I hope. 
Although, after I don't know, I'm hoping for the next generation. Well, we have to have hope, don't we? And that's kind of the saying I, I want to end on. We do have to have hope. Uh, Tara Flynn and Kirama McMahon. We're going to have to edit that bit out as well. If you are struggling at all with anything to do with social media or if you're experiencing online bullying, you can contact people. There are people that can help you. Samaritans, 116, 123, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day as well. Make sure that you reach out and that you talk to people. Um, the psychology of social media, people can get it. Hold for camera. Delightful. Uh, Tara Flynn, you said as well, Storm, we could be seeing that in a, in a different medium soon. But for now, it's on taraflynn.ie. So. taraflynn.ie. And please go and read it. Uh, it's a very important essay. So thank you so much for listening.